welcome everyone and especially our expert panelists here. So let's dive right in and meet our expert panelists. Our first panelist is Scott Osser. Welcome, Scott, and thank you for joining us today. Please tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Lydia. I'm glad to be here. So thank you all very much for having me. Um, Scott Oser with Scott Oser Associates. And I know my my the name of my company sort of explains everything, right? Um, I'm just that's obviously a joke. But I have worked in the association space doing membership, recruitment, retention, engagement, um, marketing of all sorts of products and services within associations, and also advertising exhibits and sponsorship sales for 25 plus years now. Um, I was on the staff side for about 10 years working at associations, and I've been doing my own thing now for about 16 years. So just happy to talk about um, recruitment and retention today and focus on that area, which is a critical piece for all associations. Thank you, Scott, for the introduction. I think, yes, um, everyone knows that you have more than two decades of experience already, and that's we're floored to have you here. And our next panelist is our very own Farhad Khan. Welcome, Farhad. Please tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. Hi, uh, I'm Farhad Khan from Member Lounge. I'm the CEO of the company. I've been working with associations for over 12 years now, and uh, we have actually helped build some of the largest membership websites here in Canada. Um, I won many awards in my work in the past. I was named top 40 under 40 by the Auto Business Journal. And nowadays, I'm really focused on building our core platform member lounge. And I'm excited to say that our platform member lounge will be used in over 6,000 pharmacies in Canada early next year through pharmacy associations. And like we're very excited about that, including uh, Walmart, Shoppers Drug Mart, and Rexel as well. So we are very excited to like see all the new features and everything that is happening with Member Launch. And like Lydia, thank you for the wonderful video. It's great work. And I'm happy to be on the panel today. Thank you for that, Farhad. Okay, so let's jump right in. I think we have a lot of questions from our own community and from the audience that we have joining us right now. So I think we'll start with recruitment. So when it comes to the membership life cycle, recruitment is the first step. And we know that there are different strategies and methods to go about this. And as, some, as someone with decades of experience in the association world, Scott, we'd like to know what are your top three key strategies to recruit? Sure. Um... I like to keep things as simple as possible. And so I think the three, the three key strategies in, as a, in regards to recruitment are one, it's not just one touch and you're done. You need to have multi-touches within your audience. You need to talk to people or communicate, connect, promote to your prospects, to your potential members multiple times throughout the year. You can't just throw one thing at them and hope that that's going to be the thing that seals a deal and makes them join the association. Um, two, there really is no one media or one promotional or marketing tool that's going to work for everybody. So you need to try different things. There are so many different ways that you can reach your members these days, whether it's a personal connection or it's a community connection or it's Let's go old school and say direct mail. You know, there's lots of different things um, that you can do there. 
And then three, I would say on the recruitment side is you need to do what you, you need to target as much as possible. Not the same message is not going to reach or resonate with every single prospective member. So as much as you can, you want to send different messages or targeted messages to the different niches or the different buckets within your perspective, your prospect environment. Oh, yeah, definitely agree on that one. Um, so, yes, that's the top three is a multi-touch and try to different um, different ways of reaching out to members and then sending different messages. Um, that sounds so simple, but we know that it's a lot of work for associations. Um, Farha, do you have anything to add to that? Like, do you have a different approach when it comes to recruitment? No, I think like I agree with everything that Scott said, but I'll kind of like um, uh, take a, a different angle on the same comment. So when we are uh, doing that like multi-touch approach, just like Scott said, we have to make sure that we really dial in the messaging, right? So the same announcements, the same message, same ad may not resonate well with everyone. That's why it's very important for you to understand what are the different values, what are the different desires and aspirations your different members have. And I think like uh, really understanding like what members value is very, very important. and. Um, whenever you are um, doing any campaigns, any marketing, I guess like omni-channel marketing, meaning like uh, marketing across multiple channels, whenever you're doing anything like that, you have to make sure that you are really speaking to, to like what, what the audience is thinking right now. So say, for example, like if I'm very thirsty right now and if someone like offers me a glass of water, that glass of water will be like very valuable for me. But what if I'm not thirsty, right? Then that glass of water has no meaning to me at all. So marketing and like member value is like very similar, like all members have certain desires, like they have some jobs to be done, they want certain things from their membership overall or in their career. So we really need to understand and we actually need to document that like understanding is not enough. We often think we know, think we understand, but we do not document and then the ideas and everything gets lost over time. So I think it's very important like for associations to really understand your members and then document them and then share them with the team as well, share that like those like member values, member priorities across the marketing sales and the membership team. So they all know what members are looking for. And also I think like in recruitment, one thing that is very, very important um, and it's very important like for a higher tier membership, smaller memberships are, are, are probably easier, relatively easier to sell. Um, I cannot actually say that they are both hard to sell, but um, a member who has not purchased your membership yet does not truly know what it will be like to be a member, right? So. Um, um, if you can find ways to give them a glimpse, like make them feel what it is like to become a member early on, even before they become a member, if you can show them how the future looks like, like what the dream is, then I think it becomes much easier to sell the membership. So free trials are very good. So if you want to give them like a 30 day free trial or, or any, anything like any way that they can like, uh, know your community better, know your services better. That's one way. Or like, uh, if you have uh, free events, so for example, like many of our events are free and that way our members, our prospects can actually like know what it will be like to work with us and how uh, we approach things. So I think like those early free trials or giving them some glimpses of what it is like to be a member, I think like goes a long way. For the associations though, that it can be overwhelming when it comes to recruitment so that how do they know exactly where to reach out to them, what kind of messages to give to their members or to their prospective members. And is there enough or too much um, communication from the association to the members? I'd like to get your point on that, Scott. Like, what do you think about that? 
I, I think that you need to start with research and or data. That that's where you're going to figure out what your different segments are and what your prospective members are are comprised of. Right. That's that's where you're going to do it. So you can either try, which is a complicated thing, and it's not the easiest thing to do, but to try and talk to them, whether it be via survey or some other sort of mechanism to collect that information directly from your prospective members. Um, I, I say that it's challenging because members in some ways aren't members for a reason. So you're going to have lower response rates. You're not going to get, they're, they're not going to communicate with you as easily as a current member will, who's already bought into your membership, who's already, um, in, you know, who's already drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And so I think that there, you need to get the information that way. Um, Over-communicating? Yes and no. I mean, I think that there's, there could definitely be too much communication, but as long as you're sort of pacing it and spreading it out a little bit, I think you're going to be okay. And as long as you're doing it through multiple channels. Um, so I would say really the focus would be more on a campaign um, and let me finish what I'm saying. And then I'm going to get the dog out of the room, which is who you guys hear whining. And I'm really sorry about that. He wants to get out. I put him in on purpose, but now he wants to get out. So he's just standing at the door whining. Um, but so I would say focus it on campaigns and then sort of spread it out based on what type of media you're using, what type of tool that you're using, um, which different marketing mechanisms you're using, because you don't want to, I'll just use an extreme example. You know, if you're just using email only, you don't want to email a prospect like every day or twice a day over a couple of months. It's just going to turn them off. They're never going to join. So you really need to um, take a look at sort of what you're doing and then spread it out appropriately and then also see what your reaction is. I mean, you you can't really get data. I mean, you can get join data if you're doing direct mail, but you can't really get you can you can't get um, and you can get but you can't really get any more data than that on a direct mail piece. If you use personalized URLs and some other things, yes, you can. Um, but unless you're tying it to something digitally, it's hard to know what those results are. But when you're doing email or you're using um, those sort of digital technical devices, you can then see what people are responding to and what they're not. And then you can either ramp up or turn or, 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 or cut back on different things for your next campaign and for other campaigns. I can probably add to that. Yes. So um, um, the, the way we look at it is that uh, associations in general, actually, I find that like they usually have like a hard time with the marketing in general because associations don't have a big marketing team or a huge marketing budget, unlike like for-profit companies. So for example, like our, like our team, we have a relatively bigger marketing team, right? So um, associations will probably like by default, like not be able to do a lot of marketing and, and, and that is a default. So that's why I, I would like encourage like not to shy away from any marketing. So if you if you feel like this is like you have bandwidth for like doing these these number of campaigns go ahead and do it like don't do not hold back right do not hold back and uh normally um like one email per week is fine you know like do not worry about sending one email per week we end up sending like two emails per week and that's even like okay so um uh, think of it this way most of your emails will be lost 
right? Like there is so much email, there's so much noise like in the different channels right now. So your content, most of your content will be lost. So uh, if you send one email per week and then like if you didn't catch the member at the right time, your, the email has already drowned. Two days later, if the member didn't open the email, the email has drowned, right? So, but if you do send multiple emails, if you send another email next week, if you missed him the last week, you'll probably like, catch him this week, right? So that's why I think it's very important to have like those multiple touch points. So um, I would encourage you, anyone like uh, not to shy away from over communicating because associations actually by default, the majority of associations, they actually under communicate, right? So by default, they under communicate. So like uh, do over communicate. And if you, um, if you over communicate, your members will tell you, you will get pushback. They will tell you, hey, you know what? You're sending too many emails. Hey, sorry, that's like too much communication, right? They will tell you. And then just like what Scott was saying, um, anytime you feel like you're over communicating, if you can like pace the communication a little. So for example, like as opposed to sending two emails this week, maybe schedule the second email for the following week, just like pacing it properly. And in terms of social media and the, and the different channels, what we find in general is that like different age groups are more active in different channels. So uh, you do have to make sure that we are uh, you are like sharing your content, sharing your like promotion and everything to multiple channels. And um, it's very difficult to uh, set a one size fits all approach for that. But there are some broad generalization there. For example, like certain age group is more active on Facebook nowadays, and we know that. And people who are looking for professional connections, they're on LinkedIn, right? So the messaging that you, you will have on Facebook will be slightly different from on like from on LinkedIn. And again, the younger generation, like uh, millennials and Gen Z, they're probably like more active on say Instagram, like Twitter, and then also on TikTok. So know that like if you're sharing something on Instagram or on TikTok or on Twitter, know that like you'll probably get like more like millennials and Gen Zers. So if you are, so if you, uh, if you have younger members and if you want to attract younger members, and if you're not putting out your content in those like newer channels, then you will actually miss out. The format of content is very important as well. So whenever you're trying to um, invite younger members to join and you give them like a one hour webinar like this, this will probably not work out at the very beginning. So you have to like start with like short form teaser content that younger members will connect with better. So that's why like we need to make sure that uh, that, that the channel is important and then the message, the content of the message is important, but the format of the message, the length, and then like how audiovisual the message is, that is super important as well, because like, we are finding that younger members are very much visual learners. So they they respond much better to images, videos, animations, right? As opposed to just like regular text. So even infographics are a bit old nowadays, right? So we need to make sure that the content format length or like all of that is factored in. Yeah, so with all of that in consideration, we actually have a very valid, very connected question from the audience. Um, how do you differentiate between members and communication with limited resources? Like ideally, yes, you could do all of this with different channels, different messages. But if you have limited resources, like a lot of the associations, how do you do this properly? Is there a way? I can just jump in and give you kind of a simple answer. Um, and my simple answer is try it and see what works best. Um, I know that that tends to be a little bit time intensive because you don't really get responses right off the bat. Like if you put out some outreach today, some people are going to be, some people might join, but a number of people may need a second or a third communication or a, or a second or third piece of contact before they actually join. Um, but what I would say is test. I think that especially, and, and I don't want to, this to sound negative, but I, I feel like sometimes just because of 
lack of resources, smaller staff associations don't have the staff or they don't have the finances or the dollars to be able to do a lot of testing. So testing kind of goes by the side. They, they do the one thing that they're going to do. And if it works, fantastic. If it fails, then they're in trouble because they've got nothing else. But the way to really figure out how to maximize your communications and to maximize your outreach is to compare and contrast and to put different techniques up against each other and see which one works best and then do more of that in the future. And so that will really help you optimize what you're doing. You've got to keep testing. It's not a one time and done, but at least for the time being, it will give you an idea of what you're, where the best to spend your money and your time. Yeah. And um, I think like on top of that, um, something that works really well is that if you are creating any piece of content, so for example, when we create a podcast episode, or maybe like we are we are actually working on this like panel discussion today, right? So you, uh, the, the marketing team or the membership team will have to spend some time on creating content. I think nowadays it's a no brainer, right? So as like members do expect associations to create content, high value content that the members can actually like uh, benefit from. But the way to uh, do that will be uh, invest in the core, content one. So for example, if you have a webinar with a high profile speaker, then maybe spend one hour or maybe even more to create the first webinar. And then while you're creating that webinar, create additional marketing pieces to go alongside with that. So from one, like one hour webinar, you can create like three, two or three video clips. You can create uh, screenshots. You can take the ideas from that one webinar and then like create a social post, right? So I think like what we want to do is that like we want to have um, uh, influencers and like uh, um, communities like to kind of like um, be the spark for you for ideas, right? So like they will spark the ideas, but then like once you're there, once you hold that event, once you do that, you use it in many different ways, right? And that's what we do in our company as well. So so that's number one. Um, so create the big big piece of content once and then like uh, repurpose it as much uh, as you can, like in like uh, several different formats. Now, um, another thing like to go along with that is that um, no matter how small an association you are, I think you can market. You have to find a creative way. So I was talking to one association, I think like last year on a, or I can't remember when, and they were saying that like they are a staff of three, three people, but then like even then they are very active and they do a lot of marketing for their members overall, for their prospective members. So I'm like, okay, you are just three people. How do you do so much? And they said, we have a very creative approach. And what they did is that they actively partner with other industry industry like providers. For example, they partner with a marketing company to do their marketing and they are not paying the marketing company at all, but the marketing company is kind of like benefiting by putting their logo and their branding in a lot of the communication. They cut a deal with them, right? So uh, you can you can kind of like bring in sponsors like that and then like get some work done with them. You can invite volunteers. You can create a group of volunteers who can kind of like contribute to uh, different areas of your marketing in general, right? So I think overall, like if you want to do it, if you kind of like create a structure uh, and if we invite different um, volunteers or partners or industry like sponsors overall, there are many creative ways of getting it done. It's a matter of just like finding the right way in general. Yes, it's interesting how you mentioned the influencers, the volunteers, and the partners. But I think often the members themselves are also, um, mis yeah, they're not also given as much um, attention as they should be. So we have like an in, a, an, in an ideal state, 
your members would act like ambassadors for your association. So we have a question here from Angie, and she's asking, like, how can associations get there? Like, how do you encourage existing members to recruit new members for your association? I, Scott, go first. Yeah, sure. I personally, I've, I've always struggled with that. I, I think that there are certain associations where the members really want to participate in that way. And there are other associations where they don't. And it's not that they're selfish. It's not that they're, you know, just in it for them. It's just that that's not why they're at the association. If they are, you know, if they happen to run into somebody that they feel is a good fit, then they might mention it. But they're just, that's not how they want to, you know, that's not how they want to interact with the association. So I think the first thing is to is to understand your membership and to know what their desires are. And maybe it's even just a segment of your membership that wants to be sort of an influencer and to um, talk to other people or be an ambassador or whatever you want to call it. And then if that's the case, then give those individuals or companies and ultimately even the companies, it becomes the individuals at the companies, you know, give them some tools so that it makes it easy for them. You know, you don't want them to have to come up with an elevator speech or, you know, for your association, right? You need to help them with that. You need to give them that. Um, if they're meeting lots of prospects or, um, you know, companies that might be interested or individuals that might be interested, and in person, then provide them with some print materials that they can hand the person, you know, those kind of things or a business card or whatever it might be. But I think that the key is knowing, you know, first step is to know either if your membership in general is interested in sort of being an ambassador or a spokesperson, which I say that lightly, or, you know, forwarding information or sort of being, you know, getting the word out there about your organization. And if not the entire association, then maybe there are segments and identifying that segment and bringing those people in, whether it's on a member committee or a membership outreach committee or something like that and have them play that role. And then what's really important if you do identify that folks are interested in that is then provide them with some information, provide them with the tools that they will need to do that. Um, and then sort of underlying all that, I think we are in an interesting place now, and we have been for a while just because of technology, um, ask those people to participate in your communities. Ask those people that are interested to, you know, be experts in the field. And also, so, and then if there are like, not your own private communities, but if there's a LinkedIn community that's talking about your topic that you cover or your industry that you cover, you know, ask them if they'd be willing to not promote you, but mention you and talk about and tell the story of how they've benefited from being a member of your association when it's appropriate, right? You don't want it to feel like, and they as members don't want it to feel either, like, uh oh, here comes blatant promotion, you know, and it's sort of like conver conversation about a topic related to an industry. And all of a sudden it's, oh, by the way, I'm a member of blah, blah, blah. You should join. And it's like, where did that come from? So but I think that it actually has become a little bit easier to have members act on your behalf, but you have to suggest it to them. I mean, that's another key piece is you need to identify folks and then you need to suggest to them, hey, would you be willing to that? And then if they need any assistance doing that, then as the association, you could provide that assistance. 
Yeah, to add to that, I guess, like, I am a big believer of organic marketing. And then, like, Lydia, you know this, that, like, I try to, like, shy away from paid ads as much as I can and try to, like, stay organic as much as possible. So, and I, I think there is a lot of opportunities, like, for associations to uh, invest in organic marketing with their current members. So, um, first of all, I guess, like, you need to get your current members to volunteer in different projects or activities that the association is, uh, that the association is having right now, right? So, um, by inviting your members to volunteer, you kind of, like, uh, increase better, increase the engagement with the members overall right and then while the members are participating in the different like committees or different like um, communities of practice and, and just like like scott said you need to make sure you make that very public so for example if the committee had a meeting today right um if it is like zoom or in-person meeting take, take a selfie post on social let all the participants be share on their on their social right whenever there's something happening whenever whenever you have like a key event take pictures like take videos uh uh, take like short nuggets of all the success stories, whatever is happening and be very social about it, like promote all of that in social and include some of those in your newsletters, your email blasts to your members as well. I think the best way to uh, let your members be the ambassadors is to share their success stories, you know, like share their wins. And we actually have a lot of wins in our lives nowadays. We just like don't like dig deep into them and don't look at them and don't share them. I think it's very important for associations to kind of like dig deep and see like or, like what great work is the committee doing today, right? And who are the key people that we can probably highlight on the next newsletter? Who can we promote on social media? So I think like that is very important. And this is like very organic marketing. Like no one is like promoting anyone. We're just like sharing a win, sharing a success story that we just had. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. So whenever we, um, we, our company, like hold any workshop with our clients, right? So we probably have like uh, up to like four people uh, taking part in the workshop. We always take a picture at the end of the workshop, you know, like everyone with thumbs up, big smile, right? And then we tell our client to kind of like share with everyone on their social. So, and like, we are not promoting anyone there. We just had a great workshop. Everyone is happy. We took a picture, we promoted that on social. I think like um, I think like more uh, social sharing, like more like uh, client stories like that will be like will actually go a long way for associations. And that way, you're not being salesy. You know, you're not pushing anything. Um, if if a friend of that member sees that oh he's part of that that association, meaning and he's doing great work, should I join? At least the the friend of that person will be curious. They'll click on a link and they'll be like check out the association, right? And then like see what fun they're missing out on. So I think sharing is very important nowadays. Thank you for that. So that was really like gold answers when it comes to members as ambassadors, if it's possible, what's not possible, how to do it properly. Um, and we've also heard the word segment several times now. So someone from the marketing or research would understand fully what segments are. But from some, for like what we said earlier, a lot of the associations don't really have budget or don't really have marketing teams. So can you share with us what segments are? Is it basically just the membership tier that you're in or is it more? Um, from my perspective, it, it can be in some ways, it's how you want to define it. It, it can be complicated or it can be simple. Um, and what a segment is in just general terms, it's a portion of your membership or a portion of your prospective members. It's not the entire membership. So, you know, sort of like you would think a segment of an orange, right? Like it's not the entire orange, it's one of the little pieces of an orange that you can peel off, right? And so that's what it really is. And, and what I was trying to say by, it can be as complicated or as simple as you want, if you don't have the data and you don't have the resources to collect the data, you can make it as simple as, 
what are your member categories, right? Is it student? Is it, um, is it what a lot of associations still call sort of a regular member? Is it an industry partner? You know, and they, those three groups, and I'm just sort of making in general generically, but, you know, they may have, they probably do have different needs and they're members of your association for different reasons. So you could do it as simple as that. If you wanted to be complicated, you could go into, you know, let's just take your regular membership. You could do it by business, by title of the different individuals. You could do it by how many years they've been in the industry. You can do it. You can segment your marketing based on um, how many years they've been a member. You can, I mean, you can drill down and drill down and drill down and drill down. You could, you could segment as to, you know, here's, here's kind of just an example. You could say somebody who's been a member for 10 years and has never attended your annual conference before, right? You might want to talk to them differently than somebody who has attended your annual conference before, because your messaging, if you have the sophistication, you have the money and you have the time, you could do a promotional piece that says, hey, you've experienced the annual conference before. That's just one of the fantastic you know, benefits that we offer. So we're excited that you were able to attend that. Here's something else that you might be interested in as well. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways you can do it. But I, my recommendation is always segmenting is important, but you need to know what you're able to do based on the data and the financial and human resources that you have. But some segmenting is always going to be better than none. And just to use sort of industry partnership versus general membership as an example, your industry partners are there typically for a very different reason than your regular members. So don't promote the same things to them. Don't talk to them about the same benefits because they don't want the same thing. So in, you're almost doing yourself a disservice or you're almost damaging yourself by sending the same thing to everybody. So even if you can just dissect your audience by two or three segments, you're still going to do better than just sending the same thing to everybody. Yeah, so fully agree with that. I don't think I can add much to that. The answer was so complete already. So the, 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 the one thing I think I'll just like add is, uh, um, if there's another way you want to like segment your audience is by their the like what stage of their career they're in right now, like within your members, you know, so early like, um, someone who's in their early stage of the career will have a very different need than someone who's been in the industry for 10, 10 plus years. So uh, if you can at least like segment your membership like that and then uh, dial in the communication like that, then I think that is at least better than sending the same thing to everyone. Yeah, thank you for that. Oh my, that's a lot of, uh, um, yes, it's a lot of knowledge for everyone already. So um, let's go to from recruitment to retention so there's this slow process of you're, you're recruiting your potential members to them becoming a member so what do you think is the ideal onboarding process for new members should it be like a different experience for members who are renewing or will it be the, exactly the same I think it really depends on uh, yeah let me sorry Lydia to answer your question yes it should be different how different it needs to be, that depends on the association. And as I talk, I feel like I'm repeating myself in some ways because some of these are sort of like tried and true things that are going to work, whether it's on recruitment or retention or engagement. But um, you need to understand some of it depends on data collection again. And I'm going to keep going back to data collection. What do you know about your members? Um, because 
if someone, let's say it's someone who's been a member for 10 years and you know that typically, not always, but members or any member, whether it's an individual or a company, that they tend to have a slightly different need from your association than somebody who's just becoming a member for the first time. Well, you would want to communicate what those different benefits are that will address their needs. So you'd want to do that. That's one key reason why you need to differentiate. If somebody's been around, if you have the sophistication to somebody rejoins or comes back, you know, they renew. If you have the sophistication to use my annual conference example, if they rejoin and you know that they haven't been to the annual conference before, or they have been to the annual conference before, use that information if you can in your communication and say, hey, look, here's what's going on. You know, we noticed you didn't come last year. So you should, we'd love for you to come this year and do that kind of thing. A new member really needs more of what I would call sort of a drip campaign because they're probably not going to be as aware of all of the different benefits that your association offers. I will, again, reiterate and restress that you should try and segment them because you're going to have new members in all of your different segments. Again, if you can just pick two, pick two. That's fine. Just do two. Um, but, you know, then you would want to, you don't want to, dump everything on them at the same time. Because um, it, as we were talking about before, email, we all get a million emails. And so if we don't put our email in a digestible format, people aren't gonna read them. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna read one or two bullets maybe, and then they're not gonna remember the rest. And so you need to kind of drip onto them the different benefits. Hopefully, those benefits will be based upon what, that, what segment they fall in. So that would then correlate to what their needs are. But I do think that there is value in having a, first of all, you know, let's take a really high level view of this. For anybody who comes back, it's a welcome back message, right? It's not a thank you for joining message. So you can start as high. If you want to take really, really, really baby steps, when you welcome someone to your association, if they're a new member, you'd want to welcome them. If they are coming back, you want to thank them for renewing and thank you for coming back and for their ongoing support and all those kind of things. So if you want to start at that high level, again, if you don't have the resources, if your AMS doesn't have a ton of data, start there. You know, I'm always a big fan of start somewhere, right? Like anything is better than just lumping everybody together. So, you know, start there. Um, there are certain associations that they have the resources to have people other members call and welcome their members and call and welcome back their members. Great idea. Not every association can do it. So you've got to sort of figure out what you can do and what you're able to implement and then go that direction. But Lydia, to answer your question directly, yes, I think that you should address everybody that comes back in some way. But, you know, it, there is definitely a positive impact of, of welcoming people and for joining as opposed to, in addition to welcoming back people that, or companies that are joining for the first time. I have a lot of thoughts on onboarding, Lydia. You want me to comment now or later? Yeah, sure. I mean, we'll go to retention after. So I think this is the perfect time to talk about onboarding. 
Okay. So uh, we have spent a lot of time researching the best onboarding practices, right? Like what, like what are the best possible onboarding models? And we had like a whole, I think, webinar or a podcast topic on this as well. Like what are the best ways you can onboard your members? But I just want to like touch on a few key things. Onboarding is extremely, extremely, extremely important, right? It's like uh, surprising how many associations do not realize how important onboarding is because just because a member signed up, you cannot... Um, expect that the member knows everything about the association like uh, already because your association has been around for a long time maybe even over a hundred years sometimes and you have a lot of like content and resources hidden on your website on your portal and everywhere so we cannot expect our members to know everything from the very beginning and the members will need a lot of hand holding and there's research that uh, members who are engaged within the first 30 days they're significantly more likely to renew their membership on the first year and this is this like this research like this information is mind-blowing so members who are engaged in the first 30 days they're way more likely to renew their membership on the first year it was done by Amanda Kayser so uh, that's why in the first 30 days I think it's very important for you to have a very good onboarding process so like Scott already talked about a drip campaign so we should definitely send out um, a series of emails to the members welcoming them and introducing them to the different parts of the association and uh, what like uh, what you have to offer but another another like idea that works really really well is um, um, and literally, I'll, I'll backtrack a little. So uh, there is a lot of research um, that like shows that um, like why members join an association and the top top one reason in three years in a row, what members have said is that like people join associations to be a part of a community, right? That has been the top reason again and again and again. And this is true in the membership marketing like benchmarking report for this year as well. The number one reason was to join a community. So community is very important. So uh, what works great is that if you can hold uh, continuous onboarding sessions, like a 30 minutes Zoom session every month, or maybe a one hour like Zoom session, like once like, oh, like once every two months, but like make it make it a community, make it like more interactive. So then have your membership manager or membership coordinator uh, welcome the members in a Zoom meeting, you know, and then like uh, walk through the different parts of the association, what what services you have, what benefits you have, and, and handhold them, handhold them, show them, you know, as opposed to telling, show them that this is the website, this is the portal, this is what you have, this is what you can get. And in that session, what you can also do is that like start the session by asking the members, okay, so when you join the association, like why did you join it? You know, like what were your main reasons to join the association? So ask the members, like like in the Zoom session, right? And um, that way, you know, like what to present. And then in that onboarding session, you can show them around, show them everything. And um, and this is the one piece that I think like is mind blowing that um, this is also another chance for you to engage your current members. So if you know a, a champion, a current member who's been around for a long time, you can invite a current member to actually do it on your behalf or have them involved in that process. Right. And then what you can do is that you can invite a current champion, like someone in your membership and have them be a mentor, have them like introduce like the association uh, to the new members for that month or or like or or, or for a set amount of time, like uh, like be a, that way what you'll do, like you'll build a community and then uh, the members who are just joining, they are already connected to an influencer, you're building a community and the member who's volunteering to actually like do the onboarding for you, you're engaging them at a much deeper level, right? So I think an onboarding method like that is like very, very powerful if you can do it though, it's, it's work, you know? So, uh, and, and, and I think like uh, what will happen is that say you had um, 10 members join in the last two months and you haven't even 
this month for the onboarding. Uh, not all 10 members can probably join the session because they have a conflict or something else. So in that case, what you should do is you should still hold the onboarding. Though. If, if you had one member or even two members join the onboarding session, even that is valuable. You should still hold it, right? And then what you should do is that record the session, post it on your portal, and then send an email with the recording to all the other members who actually missed it right that way the people who actually missed the session they can still watch the recording on their own time i think like um being available on the members time is very important nowadays and we kind of like uh, don't realize the value of it as much so anytime you're holding an onboarding session or anything like that if you can make it available for the members so they can see it on their own time that is very very powerful so from all our research speaking to many many people this is the best onboarding approach that we could come up with Right. I, I'm pretty sure there are better models, but this is that I like know of so far. Yeah, thanks for that. So that's a lot. So that there's research, there's community, there's a sense of um, the discussion. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that um, a lot of the times association do get overwhelmed again when it comes to the processes that they have to do. And like one of the challenges really is also to make that retention that healthy, um, yes, retention of their their current members high. So like, do you have any, um, what would be your top three key strategies to retain? I could just repeat my earlier ones because <laughs> I think it's very, it's very similar. Um, I, I think that in many ways, retention is easier. Um, because I think one of the biggest obstacles that you face as an association, as a membership organization, is getting people to pay to join for that first time. And so unless you've not engaged them at all, or unless you've given your members a reason to not join, which could be not providing any value to them, and that's a whole nother story that you know, you guys could have a whole another webinar conversation about what does member value look like. Um, but otherwise, I think it's very similar. The approach can be similar. Um, I think that this all really ties together. I mean, I, I, I feel that, you know, you've got the recruitment stage, you've got the engagement stage, and then you've got the renewal stage. And bringing people in or companies in is hard. Engaging them is challenging, but not as hard. There's lots of different options and different ways that you can do it. And if you do a good job, if you're providing value and you do a good job of engaging your members, then the renewal piece is almost just a marketing issue. It's how do you get people to know and understand that it's time for them to pay their dues again. And so that ties right back to kind of where we started, Lydia, which is, you know, multi-touch, targeted messaging and making sure that you're staying in front of them so that they know that it's time for them to pay. I mean, in some ways, make it easy, right? I mean, that's another suggestion I have about renewals and even on in recruitment as well. Make it easy for people to pay you. You know, don't make it hard for them to do it. I've seen in different communities, I've seen conversations about, should we charge people if they want to use a credit card? You know, should we do this? Should we do this? And I'm like, in my opinion, it's a cost of doing business. You know what? Let people pay the way they want to pay. And if your dues aren't covering what 
their membership really costs, you've got a business issue. It's not a credit card fee issue. It's a business issue. So you've got to be smart enough as an association to know what that looks like and then price yourself accordingly. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, discussions about should we charge a late fee if people don't charge, if they don't pay now? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, probably not because it disincentivizes them from then coming back if they lapse for a little bit of time. But I, I, you know, I know I'm not really giving tactics here, but I would say, Lydia, to answer your question, my three are still the same three. You know, you've got to really just get in front of them. If you've done a good job on the recruitment side, if you've done a good job of engaging them, if you've provided quality products and services to them while they're a member, the renewal piece is really just making it easy, making them know that it's time for renewal and then making it easy for them to renew. Yeah, and I think like I have uh, talked about this in other sessions as well, and I think I have a video on this as well. So um, I truly believe that the decision to renew like your membership actually happens during the year and not at the end of the year, right? So during the year, as you're engaging with an association, um, uh, the member truly has to feel that they're getting value for what they're paying, right? So there are like some groups that I'm part of, like whatever money I'm paying, I'm, I get like two times, three times the return. And I know that for sure, you know, so... Um, so you need to make sure that the value that the member is getting like always very, very high and the member can see the value throughout the whole year, right? Not just like one, one time, right? So um, like many, many years ago, like I, when I joined an engineering association, I um, uh, like once I signed up, I used to get like one magazine per month, right? And then there was one annual conference and that's it. There was no other engagement with the members or anything like whatsoever, right? So you don't want that to happen. You you want the community, you want the member community to be vibrant. You want the members uh, to be um, to be there for each other and answer each other's question. You want a vibrant community throughout the whole year. So, and how do you do that? You need to make sure that the services that you are actually like providing, the benefit services and the events and content that you are actually like uh, sharing, they have to be very dialed in based on what the members needs are and scott mentioned about research many times right so i think like that research is extremely important you need to make sure you have an ongoing dialogue with the members throughout the whole year so you truly understand what the members needs are what their challenges are what they're looking for right don't give them what they don't want you know like make sure that like anytime you're starting a new service or when you're whenever you're holding a webinar or anything make sure it's on, it's on a topic that the members truly truly need now um, as you're engaging, engaging the members like throughout the year, it may be the case that at the, at the end of the year, uh, they might forget, they might not remember the, oh, that we actually uh, took part in so many great things. So if your like a member membership system or if your uh, AMS tool has a way to show the member a quick preview, quick reminder of what you were part of last year, what discussion you are part of, I think that's a very good reminder. And that's why like on our like member launch product, what we have done is that like on the renew page, we kind of like show them the list of activities they were part of, right? The renew page the where you like renew the membership, we actually like show them, oh, you're part of this event, like you're part of this committee and, and you have been like part of like these other different things. So the moment you see that, it's a no brainer. You know that, oh, I was part of so many things. So it's a good, it's a quick refresher. So depending on, on like how advanced your membership tool is, if you can give them a reminder that you are part of these things at the end of the membership year, then renewal is slightly easier. And I totally agree with Scott, what he said that, um, should we be charging late fees or should we be like billing on credit cards and whatnot, right? Do not make it any more difficult than it already is, right? So members have a lot of options nowadays. 
Um, I'll give you a quick example. So like uh, a lot of members will probably join associations to watch the trainings from the influencers or, or like industry speakers. Um, now, if I'm spending say 10, 20, $30 a month on something like that, I could also get a premium subscription for from YouTube and then like uh, watch YouTube like trainings and whatnot without any interruption. That is always my option nowadays, right? So 20 years ago, YouTube and all these channels were not there, but now they're there. And we have so many other training uh, websites out there right now, like Udemy and then like, uh, I think there are many others like Linda. So um, you always have to make sure that like you are not competing with those platforms and whatever you're kind of like uh, doing is, uh, very much like niche and something that the members will truly, truly value. So that's why um, uh, you will you will never see um, Netflix charging a late fee, right? If you're not there, right, you, you lose access. And then like when you pay, you're back on. So they make the processes extremely easy. So you need to make sure that um, uh, whatever apps and tools that you're actually putting in front of the user for the renewal process is extremely smooth. Like payments are very easy and the whole process doesn't like take a lot of steps and and definitely there shouldn't be any manual steps. You shouldn't be collecting checks nowadays anymore unless there's a very good reason for that. And then like whenever someone has renewed uh, their membership, you uh, um, try to remove any manual steps your staff has to do that like, oh, you know what, like if they didn't renew, they get like they get kicked out of these groups and then like when they renew, it takes you another month to put them back, you know, like try to avoid those and try to automate those as much as you can so that the, the moment you pay, you're back in the group right away. I think a lot of members would love that just to know that to make it easy for them to retain and renew and be a member of their association. I think that is like a gold nugget for members, make it easy for them to renew. You have all these tools and it's great if you have all the, the, the tools to help you like in the digital age, how has technology impacted your recruitment and engagement efforts? Like, how how are these tools going to help the association prove to their members that they are reaching out to them, that they are there, that they can get the potential members, that they can keep their current members? Like, is there like a magic tool, all-in-one solution for everything that the association needs? Or is that... Or is there like um, a collection of tools that the association should use? I wish there was a magic tool. If there was a magic tool, then Farhad and I could develop it and sell it to everybody, and we'd be our, we'd be you know retired soon. Um, I, I think it's just it's a combination. I I feel like you've got to get in front of your members or your prospective members again. I, I know I've said this before um, in different ways. I think that digital marketing nowadays is very valuable. Um, so whether it be, uh, you know, on the renewal side, you can take your current database and, and I'm not a tech guy, you know, I don't know all the details, so I can't really implement this. I can talk in, in generality, but, you know, you can take whatever renewal pool that you have going in there, dump it into the Google machine or, onto Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it might be. And then you can target ads at folks, letting them know that their renewal is now due. Um, you can do pop-ups. I mean, I think the technology, I, I, I fully believe that going old school and doing direct mail and things like that is still a very viable option and it should be included in your mix. But I think the technology now gives us so many new opportunities that aren't real expensive and also are very uh, that they get you right into the mailboxes or right onto the phone screens or the iPad screens or whatever it is of your members. So, and, and they're not, 
I, again, I don't do it, but you know, and I'm sure there are lots of companies out there that can help you get in front of your members and your prospective members based off of persona or based off of email. There's lots of different ways. And so I would say that out of all the things that I've seen over the last year or so, that's the most promising is really using some sort of digital targeting to get in front of your members or prospects. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, in general, what we see a lot of um, companies doing do is that um, they would like pick a tool and they would kind of like um, uh, do an RFP and quickly make a decision on a tool or technology or something, right? Like without having a clear strategy of like why we are going to use this tool, how is it going to help our members? So I think like um, not having a strategy doesn't help anyone, right? So then you will get the tool, you will start to implement it and you will not get any results. So something that is extremely, extremely important is have like a very strong strategy behind whatever you're going to do. So for example, like if you're going to do omni-channel marketing, like multi-channel marketing, and, you're, yeah, and you don't have a lot of like bandwidth to post on the different social media channels, then you probably like need a tool that can like take your post once and post it out to three different platforms. So then that is the one tool that you need at this point in time, right? So you have to like understand the strategy first, like why are you doing certain things? And then, so once you have the strategy dialed in, you know what the strategy is, then find the tool that can help you to implement the strategy, right? And um, another thing nowadays is that a lot of associations will try to just use this one big AMS, one big CRM to do it all for them. I think like those days are just gone now, you know, technology has become so advanced and the, our like members and prospects have become so sophisticated that if you want to use like a one big tool like that, you will, uh, you will do a little of everything, but you won't do anything well, right? So um, just like just LinkedIn marketing, just one thing, right? So if you want to like, uh, uh, engage your members better or prospects better on LinkedIn. LinkedIn itself has its own signs, you know? So there's the time of day, there's the length of length of post, and there's like the what type of media to post, right? So nowadays, something that is very popular on LinkedIn is like LinkedIn slides. And we are doing a lot of LinkedIn slideshows nowadays, and the slideshows are very popular, right? So if you, if you use um, old an old AMS or an old CRM that kind of like only pushes out one type of content on LinkedIn, which is just, just a post, you know, then it will not do, any, do you any favor because what is really working on LinkedIn right now are slides, right? And then that, that one tool cannot do that. So then you're losing out. So what you have to do is like really understand what the strategy is and make sure that your strategy is always evolving. It shouldn't be just like one strategy that you came up with one year ago and still applying that because technology and the whole landscape is changing so fast nowadays, right? So you have to keep evolving your strategies like over time. So I think at least once a quarter, if you take a quick look at what you're doing and then evolve the strategy, I think that is very, very powerful. And then also something that we um, find is that their different tools are not properly connected, right? So if you have um, if you have a member who just registered and the member registered like on the on the website and right after the registration, a staff has to add you to the portal, right? Oh yes, we collected your money. Now you'll be added to the portal in a couple of days, right? So I think like those days are gone right now. So if you if you have a disconnect like that, then this it is not helping anyone. It's adding more work on your plate. It is holding the member back from getting value from your association. And then also also what's happening is that like the like the moment when the member was excited, they just joined and they were excited, you know, but you didn't give them access right after they paid. The two days that the member is waiting, you know, you're you're just like wasting time and you're kind of like um uh like that excitement is dying. Right. So you need to make sure that uh, any tools that you're using, any technology that you're using, it's very smooth. And this is really 
um, up to the standards with what the other companies are doing right now. Because believe it or not, you are actually competing with companies like LinkedIn, with YouTube, Netflix. So um, a young member, or maybe a maybe a millennial, maybe someone my age, like if I go to Netflix and I see what the interface is, and then I come to my association and, oh my God, I can't even find a single resource, right? I have to go through like 10 different uh, links to find the one resource I'm looking for. It's already a negative experience. So I think what I truly believe is that you have to have a good strategy on like what you want to do. And after that, you have to uh, find the right technology strategy, the right technology to make sure that you're implementing the strategy really well. Now, something I mentioned earlier that um, community is very important nowadays. So you have to make sure that you give your members a way to connect with one another online. It can be uh, you don't have to use a portal like ours, like Member Lounge, but like at least if you can have like a Facebook group or 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 like a LinkedIn group or something, a way where the members are together, like bare minimum. Like I have a group like uh, in Ottawa here that has a WhatsApp group even, right? And the members are very active on WhatsApp. So like so be it, you know. Like wherever your members are, you have to give them a way to connect with one another. So if you are uh, not using the modern technologies to kind of like expand your reach, then you're definitely losing out. And these tools, the online community tools, like automated member renewal, they are actually very cheap nowadays. They are not as expensive as they used to be 10 years ago. They have become very, very cheap. So you need to make sure that you, uh, in your next budget cycle or whenever you're talking to your board, you make some room for ongoing technology improvements. Um, technology will not solve all of your problems, but technology will significantly expand your reach, right? So whatever uh, you one person could do, like you one person with a powerful technology, you know, can scale it 10 times. So uh, uh, we use a lot of automation tools in our company in general. So if you can use technology, if you can use tools to expand your reach and then amplify your capabilities, then that is a huge power. If you're not using it, you're actually like losing out on that. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that the landscape is evolving and using both traditional and digital tools will definitely help the association. So they need to make a good mix of those if it's good for them, like if it's, um, yeah, if it's um, reasonable, if it makes sense to their members. So looking to the future, how do you see the landscape of professional associations evolving? Like what are the changes or innovations do you anticipate in both recruitment and engagement practices? That's another one. If I had the answers, I'd be a billionaire. Um, I think that, you know, I don't want to use the buzzword, but, you know, I, I was going to jokingly say, you know, type into the chat, chat GPT, right? That's the answer to everything, right? Chat GPT. It's all we talk about. Chat GPT, chat GPT. Um, but I didn't know if everybody would get my sense of humor. But I do think that, you know, what Farhad was saying about automation, I think that artificial intelligence is going to be a piece of that as well. Um, I think that artificial intelligence, whatever it is, whether it's chat GPT, or I think there's going to be more and more that continues to come out. Um, but I think that that is going to have a huge impact on marketing. I don't think it's going to take people's jobs away, but I think it's going to make it easier for people to do different types of marketing. I think it's going to make it so that associations can do smarter marketing. Um, I think that's really what's going to change. And I, I don't know what that, I mean, because it's changing. Like it, when I've been rambling like a goof over here, it's changed already. Right. But um, you know, it's going to continue to change. And I think that that's going to be the biggest thing. And I also think that that's going to be one of the most challenging things for associations 
is staying on top of that and, and understanding how it can really help. Because I, I feel personally, even as a marketer, it's overwhelming to me just to try and stay on top of everything that's going on. So I could only imagine a staff person in an association where they've got, you know, 30 other things that they've got to do during the day, trying to stay on top of it is going to be hard. So I think there are going to be more and more, let's call them an agency or experts that really focus on the different pieces of AI or whatever. It's going to be as far ahead as I was saying before, you got to figure out what your strategy is. You can't just go to somebody and say, I want to use AI. And then they're going to go, what? I don't, what do you want to do with it? I don't know. Everybody tells me it's going to help. It's going to make my stuff better. Well, it doesn't really work that way. So you've got to have a strategy behind it. But I think that AI truly is going to have a big impact on associations and on the marketing side of things, exactly what it's going to be. I can't tell you right now, but I think it's going to have a huge impact. Yeah, and I think like I'll um, uh, comment on one of the questions from the audience now, I think from Karen. So Karen was asking about um, the research work. So engaging members in the first 30 days, that was a research like Karen done by Amanda Kayser. So if you search Amanda Kayser, you will find her work. And the second one, like uh, like uh, uh, like renewal, decision to renew like happening earlier. So this is like uh, uh, research done by uh, membership marketing benchmarking report by Tony Russell. So if you look for Tony Russell's research, you'll actually like find those. Now, uh, another key information that is like key research that we found like from Tony Russell's um, like benchmarking like report. And Tony Russell, Russell was on our like podcast like last week, actually. Last week or the week before, I can't remember when we do so many events. But one key um, takeaway that we got like from those, uh, from the latest membership marketing benchmarking report was that there's a very strong correlation uh, between use of uh, good technology to engage members, right, and then membership growth in general. So whoever whoever actually used like good technology, decent technology to engage members throughout the year, they actually those people actually got the biggest renewal in the in their membership overall. So. I think like the, this is not a correlation. There's causality as well. The members are getting value throughout the whole year, and that's why like they're they're renewing at the end of the year. And to answer Lydia's questions, like where do we see associations going? So I think like I'll take a different approach like on the, like on this question. Um, I truly believe that associations are becoming um, content producers in the future, right? So like, associations have to become content producers. Why? Why am I saying that? Uh, right now, I think there is a lot of free content out there, like in the in like in the world. There's like you can you search and you you get a lot of content like on Google, like LinkedIn, Facebook. There are free trainings and whatnot. But uh, I think like among all these like trainings and free education like that you can have, I think there's one thing that is missing. It's very difficult to find quality content. Trusted quality content is becoming very, very difficult to find. There is so much fake news out there. There are so many like people like so-called experts who are claiming to be experts just by doing one little thing, right? So like, for example, like Scott, like he's been working with associations for like, like more than two decades. You know, that experience has value, right? And then like all the lessons that he has learned like by doing that, someone who is claiming to be an expert just by like doing, creating like four YouTube videos, you know, is not right, you know, like so, um, um, in general, I think like there is a huge void in the industry right now you know, for quality content. And I think associations are in a very good position to fill that void. I don't know if associations are realizing that. Like if not, then this is your time. If you're here in this episode, then, you know, like I, the, there you are. But you have to invest in content and content in many different formats. And you have to make sure that you become the go-to place for top news, top content for your profession, for your industry. If you cannot be that, then you will definitely lose out in the upcoming 
upcoming like uh, upcoming years and upcoming decades now that is not easy you know you have to have a fully organized effort you have to have like a, a very structured approach in and and like a very very deliberate like uh, um, projects and everything to create content on an ongoing basis like it cannot be oh i did like one webinar this quarter and i'm fine i will not do anything for three months again it, it cannot be like that it has to be in your DNA to produce content all the time. And it has to be in your DNA to make sure that you are engaging members, including everyone to create that content. It doesn't have to be just by yourself, include members, include partners, get all the help that you can get, and then produce content like um, on a regular basis to help your members. Now, uh, producing content is not just enough. I think like you have to make sure that like they're um, like actually meeting your members' needs. And for that, you need the ongoing dialogue. Ongoing dialogue throughout the entire year is extremely, extremely important. Um, um, so along, along with all of that, so if this is your strategy, so if this is your strategy, then how can you simplify this strategy? How can you implement this using the tools that you have to your, at your disposal right now? That is AI, right? So AI will actually be huge in the upcoming years. If you are not using AI, then again, like you will, you will like fall behind. So, um, find out like in that, uh, becoming that content, uh, king, becoming that like content producer what are the different areas where you can use technology use tools like ai and everything else to amplify your capabilities amplify your reach so chat gpt is definitely like here to stay it is not going away right so how many how many people have cell phones nowadays everyone has cell phones right so like uh, 20 years ago like if if we were going to ask if cell phones are going to be the thing we wouldn't know right but now now like we know it is a thing uh, when the when when iPhone came out, the touchscreen, right? The, the like the like the BlackBerry company, they were saying, you know what, touchscreen is is not is not good for professional people. Uh, like uh, so, I was very close with the BlackBerry team here in Ottawa. BlackBerry headquarters were in Ottawa. That's why I know this. So they were the BlackBerry CEOs were saying that like touchscreen is something that the enterprise like professional people will never adopt. It will never be adopted widely, right? And like fast forward like 10, 20 years, we don't have anything but touchscreen everywhere, right? So. Um, so technology will only go in one direction, though. As as like as soon as people start adopting things like ChatGPT, it is not going backwards, right? So, and you should not see it as a threat. You have to uh, you have to use it in your workflow slowly. If you if you are not able to adopt these things like right away, then like find little ways where how you can adopt it, right? So little ways, and then like uh, make sure that um, you communicate this to your team as well. Like one champion in the team using technology is not good enough, right? So anyone who's a champion, he should kind of like educate the rest of the team to tell them, hey, by the way, I'm doing this on ChatGPT. I'm doing this using this tool. Can you can you try it as well, right? And um, we often, technology champions often think that other people know by default, but oftentimes people don't know. Like today I had to like, in one of our meetings, I had to like show, like share in our team how to bookmark a channel on Slack, right? It's um, it's a very simple thing that I would assume that uh, that someone in a technology company would know very easily, but in general, like it's not the case. So you have to make sure that you educate your team as well. So again, like going back, I think number one, the strategy becoming content producers, and then how can technology be used? How can how can you use all the latest tech tools to kind of like give you that edge, right? Make your world easier. So I'll just comment on one more thing. So what are the different areas where you can use AI? So I think uh, member support, like customer support, member support, like making that automated using virtual agents is something big, you know, that will be like more and more popular in the upcoming years. And it is it is a feature that will be released on our member launch tool next year as well. So if you are already using member launch, stay tuned. Virtual chat agents are coming next year. 
so so I think like that will be something that is very key. So so members can get the support very very quickly. Another area. So what what how we have been investing in technology for member launch? Again, like I don't want to be like a sales pitch overall, but I just want to like share the approach that we are taking. So you know. So we are looking at what are the biggest challenges associations have to them, right? And then how can we use AI to simplify and solve those challenges for the association members overall, right? So uh, one area was member support and another area is like community management, right? So we are, um, we are actively working on implementing AI in community management so that um, whenever someone is um, uh, posting comments on discussions and whatnot, like monitoring that community is a bit, is a bit of a challenge. So if someone like posted something that is obscene, vulgar, Right, you don't want that those posts there. You don't want a human being to kind of like review, moderate every single post. So uh, these things we want to automate. So we are implementing features like an AI, like AI solutions that will do sentiment analysis upfront. That if we see that there's something that is negative, we trigger a notification to the ad to the like moderators or admins, and they know, hey, you know what, there was something that is questionable. I will jump in right now and take an action. Right. So um, I think like whatever is like very difficult for you right now in the association world. If you can find a technology piece that can make your life easier, I, I would say spend the money, welcome the technology. It will make your lives easier. It will make everyone's lives easier. That was a long wow, answer to my to your short question. Yeah. I think a lot of people would want to have a record of this um, talk so that they can review exactly what everyone was saying, all the things that they can work on. Um, I do want to go to the audience questions right now so that we still have time to answer them and I'm going to answer, we're going to ask Karen's question, which she sent earlier. So what are the recommended best practices to encourage recently expired members to renew their annual membership? So we talked about renewals earlier, but what if, if they're already expired members? So is there a way for them to still renew their annual membership? I think your number one problem that you have with expired members oftentimes is just getting them to know that they expired. Um, it's always interesting if you do, you know, if you can get expired members to reply to your survey tool, um, your lapse member survey, which actually is a good, you know, that's sort of an idea within an idea, right? You can, if you send out a survey to people, oftentimes they will reply and say, the number one or number two is always, I never got an invoice. I never got a renewal notice. Well, we sent you 17 of them. So you got one of them, you know, I guarantee you, you got one of them. Um, but so, you know, oftentimes it's just figuring out what that right communication method is to let them know that they've not renewed. Um, phone, if people haven't tried it, can be a good way to do it. I've noticed that there, there has been an up, uptick with associations actually picking up the phone and calling lapse members because that's sort of that whole telemarketing thing um, that used to happen a lot years and years and years ago kind of went away for a little while because people found it too invasive. But I know there are some challenges with because of COVID, people aren't in the office and some other things, but it is still performing quite well. So just a little trick, if you haven't tried phone, um, I know sometimes it's hard depending on the size of your association membership, but phone has had an uptick, so you can talk about that. Um, otherwise, I think with expired members, it's as Farhad was saying before, letting them know what they're missing out on. But... I think that the biggest challenge that you have with expired members 
is is truly letting them know they've expired and what they've been missing because depending on what your renewal process or schedule is like if you sent them a bunch of renewal notices already and they have not renewed they're not renewing for a reason so the key is really figuring out how to most efficiently and effectively communicate that their renewal is due to those people. Um, there is, and this has been sort of a, a rule of thumb for a long time, which is, you know, if you can <clears throat> add another renewal notice and have it cost less than it would to then have to recruit a new member, keep adding renewal notices. We started with we started this conversation with how much is too much. At a certain point, when it comes to renewals, there's never too much. You can do it. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, if you've got somebody's cell phone number because they've given you permission to text them, don't text them 20 times a day. You know, don't use a texting program to text them 20 times a day. So there, that is a bit of an exaggeration. But when it comes to renewal, you're, I feel that for the people that want to renew and that you've proven that there is value in being a member of your association, the number one obstacle to overcome is to get them to pay attention to and then act upon your renewal notice. So as I was saying before, get it in front of them in a way that they're gonna see it and then make it easy for them to renew. Um, I've heard of calling efforts where people, literally the, the folks that are doing the calling will take their credit card right on the phone. You know, some people don't love that. They don't want to give their credit card over the phone. Um, but, you know, make it as simple as you can. I really feel like that is the key thing is making sure that you're getting the renewal in front of them and then making it easy for them to renew. It's not a sales pitch. If they've gotten five or six renewal notices at that point, you're not going to probably sell them into joining or rejoining. It's just it's not going to happen. They've got, gotten enough opportunities. Um, I know there are exceptions to that rule where sometimes they may need a conversation. You may need to talk to somebody who's above them or whatever it might be so that those kind of things may happen. But in general, it's getting the renewal to be noticed and getting them to act upon it. Yeah. And just to add to that, I guess, um, so phone calls are very powerful nowadays, once again, and we do a lot of calls ourselves, like from our, like from our company and texting is also a great, great, uh, great idea overall. So if you have like a, like a texting tool that you can use to uh, text your members and just just like and, and re just remind them. I think that's great. But like Scott was saying, don't send them like twenty text messages. Maybe like one or two, just for them to like uh, before you call, so they know that like uh, you are going to call them sometime soon. Uh, another like key piece of like stat I want to just mention. I think in the membership marketing bench benchmarking report from this year, uh, what they found is that um, they asked the members why they didn't renew. And I think it's around 25% say that that because they forgot to renew. As simple as that. I think it was 25. I, like, don't quote me on the number, but I think it was like high up there. Around 25% of the people say they they didn't renew because they just forgot to renew. As simple as that. So yes, yeah, so to so to Scott's point, I guess like as long as you can like make sure that the message that you're sending for renewal is really like being seen by them and they're sent early, early on, like not the last week, you know, like not like once it has already expired, start the renewal notices, maybe 90 days before even saying, hey, your membership is about to, about to expire. Do you want to renew now? So maybe a few, maybe starting at 90 days, then maybe 60 days, maybe 30 days leading up to the day when your membership is like uh, uh, expired. So my approach to this is that like, as opposed to sending all the messages after, after they have expired, right? Send all the same messages 
before they expire. Don't even let them lapse, right? So my approach will be to like to really like focus on the period before, then on the period after. But if it's already expired, you don't have a choice. You have to reach out to them after. Yeah. So we have one last question here. This is from Cindy. Um, Cindy is here. Would you recommend different strategies based on length of membership? So different strategies based on the length of their membership. Um, if you want to clarify anything, Cindy, just let us know. Um, otherwise, uh, I think, uh, Scott, do you want to answer that? Um, yeah, I think you can look at that in different directions, whether it's recruit or whether it's engagement or whether it's renewal. Um, I, I think that if someone has is a new member, and we talked about a, a little bit about this already, if someone's a new member, they're going to need education on the entire association, right? They're going to need to know what's applicable to them, and they're going to need to really just, you're going to have to help them poke around a bit because they're not going to be knowledgeable like someone who's been a member for a few years or five years or 10 years. Um, I also think going back to segmenting again, I know that seems to be something we're talking about a lot on this conversation is there are going to be certain benefits that someone who's been a member for a longer period of time is probably, again, I'll say probably, because I don't want to um, paint everybody with the same brush, but you know, they're probably going to be more interested than someone who's new. You know, are the um, folks who've been members for a long time, are they more likely going to be interested in being on a board, you know, on the board? Are they going to be more interested in being on a committee? Are they going to be more interested in writing content for your publications? Um, are they going to be more interested in being an ambassador? You know, what are all of those different things that can change as over time as your as your um, tenure as a member increases? I think Scott nailed it. Nothing to add. Yeah. Okay. So what would be your key takeaway for our audience today? I'll let Scott start. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think the key is, you know, and let me just, I'll, I'll just lead with this. There are a lot of things that you can do regardless of the size of your association. Um, I think you need to start with a strategy. I think you need to know what you want to accomplish. And then from there, based on your human resources, your financial resources, and in some ways, your technological resources, you need to implement what you can do and what you're able to do with those different resource groups to meet that, you know, to succeed in whatever your strategy is going to be. But you need to start with a strategy. You don't want to chase the shiny object around um, AI, ChatGPT. You know, a few years ago, it was Twitter, you know, Facebook, whatever you can, you're always going to be chasing the squirrel because there's always going to be something new on the technology side. So you really need to figure out what your strategy is and then base, make your, your recruitment, retention and engagement decisions based off of what you know about your audience and what you're able to implement. Yeah. So um, I think like uh, Scott nailed it once again. So I'll talk about something else. And what I like, mentioned earlier that associations will probably have to become more like uh, content producers in the in the near future. And so for that, like you need to make sure that your team has the resources, capabilities and like HR, like human resources to uh, be able to organize that effort to create content. So your your like team has to have that. So you need to make sure that in your up like upcoming like budget like like hiring process and like and and, and whatever you're doing, uh, you keep that in mind that you do have to produce more content like more like resources in the in the near future. And that's not enough. You have to make sure that you're sharing those content, sharing the resources, and all the good value that you have with the association using a very good simplified tool with your members. Right. So. 
uh, we are spending a lot of time investing in this our product member lounge but you don't have to use member lounge if you want that's fine right but you need something extremely sleek an extremely smooth delivery mechanism of the value. So you invest a lot of time and effort in creating the value for the members, which are the resources, trainings, and everything, all the services that you have. But the delivery mechanism, how you deliver that value is equally important, right? So if you don't have a very good way to deliver the value, then you're going to lose your members very easily, or there will be a lot of friction in your members accessing the value that you have. So then when you create the value, if there's friction between the member and like between the member and the value, they can't access the value easily, then the value isn't having as much impact on your members. Right? So you have to reduce that friction. And how you reduce the friction, you, you make it smooth, is by using modern technology, good tools that the members can easily access. And one thing that we didn't talk about earlier, I think, but, but like uh, sharing this key takeaway is that uh, in the past, we always uh, talked about bringing the member to the association right but i think the like table has like changed now right so now we have to make an effort to take the association to the member where the member is you know like at their like whenever they're ready to take it right so it's more about bringing the association to the member than the other way around nowadays and technology can make that happen for you that's an interesting concept switch there right there yeah bring the association to the members instead of the other way around so, okay, um, can you share like a personal habit that has contributed the most to your success? So this is a favorite question here in our podcast in, in Gripe, in Member Launch, that we want to know like, what's your personal habit that has contributed the most to your success? Um, Scott, do you have anything to share? Sure, I would just say curiosity, you know, stay curious. I think that the world is always changing. I think that, especially with technology, but I think just in general, things are always changing. So, you know, I think it's very, very important to stay curious and, and always be looking around for different things, discovering new things, both personally and professionally. Yeah, so I, I can't talk about one habit, but I think the key here is to build as many good habits in your life as you can. I think that is extremely, extremely important. That way, uh, if you're curious, be like, uh, you know, like uh, make the habit of being curious and like uh, meeting meeting the curiosity by reading books and everything all the time. But as many like good habits you can add in your life, the better. So the more good habits you add, you push out the negative habits automatically. Right. So I think like, so I, 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 I think of myself as a biohacker, right? So I try to, I push myself all the time. I build, I, I build like good habits all the, all the time. Right. So, but like in doing all of that, if there's one thing that really stands out in me in like in my success and everything, I would say meditation. Right. So I am a big time meditator. I've been meditating for a very long time. I like, uh, I, I took trainings in meditation and then I, I actively do this. I, I preach meditation to everyone, right? So if you are not doing it, this is something that we should really be doing because what has happened nowadays is that like our world around us has become so noisy. There are so many inputs and there's so much happening nowadays, right? But like we were never trained in our school at our work or anywhere else on how to deal with all this noise and how to deal with this new complexity of the world, right? But meditation keeps you grounded. Meditation like... Uh, makes you uh, have a very different outlook on your life, on your work and everything in general. And what I find is that when I am meditating, I often find the solutions to my biggest challenges during the meditation itself, during the meditation session. So I would say like, if there's one key habit, I would say it is meditation. Got it, I love it. Curiosity and meditation. <laughs> okay. Um... Can you please share with our audience how they can reach you? Um, Scott, how can they reach you? 
The easiest way is at my website at scottoserassociates.com. Um, you can also reach me on my email, which is scott at scottoserassociates.com. So either way is, is, is great. Yeah, and I guess like uh, for for me as well, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. But like we are launching, we have launched this online community on Member Launch, which Lydia will talk about. So Scott and I, we will be, we will be there in that online community, and then like our other members will be there as well. So if you want to, if you have any questions, if you want to like post on the on the Member Launch community learning community, we'll be happy to answer questions there. So that's a very great way for us to like uh, keep in touch with you and for you to keep in touch with us.